All right, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here, Mass Mutual, Eastern Pennsylvania. It is Wednesday. It's August 17th. I just had to look down at the date. It's August 17th. I can't believe it. Heading into the end of the summer. I had uh, my one daughter turned eight last week. So now I have a 13-year-old and an eight-year-old. Also can't believe that. I think that's actually more stunning than uh, the end of summer. But uh, joined, as always, today by Steve Parisi, President and CEO of IBC Global. Steve, good morning. How are you? Morning, Mike. Fantastic. Thanks for uh, sharing the info about your kids. Time flies yeah. by, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, It's nuts. <laughs> I mean, it is wonderful. It's also kind of scary sometimes. Like, not so much the eight-year-old, but my 13-year-old. Like, oh, man, it's like going by so fast. And, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I get this feeling like uh, she's going to be gone soon and doing her own thing. And that makes yeah. me sad. But yeah. Just trying to enjoy it while, it's, while, you know, in the moment. Time flies by when you're having fun. Yep. Definitely. Um, so today we wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, in our world, a lot of the agents and advisors that we're dealing with are pretty independent. Um you know, they may be working with a group or a team and they may be in an office with other professionals, but for the most part, these folks are running their own independent business, running their own business model, running their own, uh, maybe they're running their own team. Um, and more often than not, these are folks who are, who are totally on their own, um, either working from home uh, or just individual independent advisors. And God, that must be hard. You know, um, how do you find support? How do you find the right kind of support, um, timeliness of support? Uh, and I think, you know, for somebody like you, Steve, for those who don't know, Steve's got a really strong and dedicated internal team, both sales and support and administrative. But then you've got this whole external, you know, web of clients, advisors, referral sources, folks who are finding you on YouTube, folks who are on the subscription service, who are kind of in and out of leaning on you for information or for ideas or for support. If you're on your own and maybe you're struggling a little bit, I mean, have you been there before? And how do you get how do you how do you how do you work out of those kind of spots or even identify those kind of spots to work out of, you know? Yeah, 100% with you. Um it, it, so to answer your question, yes, I have been there. Um <laughs> as far as going through the war and really struggling in the beginning, struggling to find the right people to work with. When I first got in the business, I mean, I I almost failed out for the first 3 years. Seemed like it might have been a little bit longer than that, but I've shared this with you and stories. Like the first year in the business, I made $5,500 for the entire year. I lived at home. That's how I survived. And the next two years were not that much better. I mean, $8,000. This is gross, like before tax total. <laughs> That's what I've taken home. And then $8,500, just trying to figure things out. Um, and what happened is that third to fourth year, when I finally saw a little bit of a, a spike in income, and I was trying to get married at the time as well. My wife was patient with me. Um, but it it was when I had gone on my own, 
I was fortunate those first three years, granted I, I struggled and thought about quitting, almost texted a friend of mine and take, take up another job. Um, I did take in a lot of knowledge during those years, learning the mechanics of the business, seeing how corporations set up products and get to, getting to actually model policies for corporations. So that did, that did give me an advantage just as far as how to set policies up, what to look for, what to do and what not to do. But what, I, wait, not to cut you off, but what made you think? Do I, I, I honestly, I've never been in a situation like that, or certainly one like that. That one, like, what gave you the conviction that this was worthwhile, or that this was going to work? To go or, off on my own? Were you on a timeline where it was like I'm going to give this another 12 months and keep do, or or was it like this is it? I yeah. can do this. to go off on my own. You mean? Like when I finally yeah made that plunge. Just like sticking with it in general. I mean, if I went through a couple of years of making five thousand, ten thousand, I don't know, I think even like twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And watching folks around me experience so much success. I don't know. I guess that could give you the conviction that like this is doable and here's the proof all these other people that you're seeing, but I, I, I don't know. I would think maybe that I was yeah. cut after this. No, no. So I, I can definitely share that with you. So one, um, my dad had motivated me a little bit, um, not in the way that you'd probably think that um, he said that I wasn't cut out for this, that I wasn't going to make it. And just being a young man, that kind of made me just stick my foot in the ground. Like, I'm going to do it. I don't care if it, I don't care if it kills me. Did he do that on purpose or Um, he he didn't tell me that? (laughs) No, no, I think both. Uh, But he did not tell me that directly. He told it to a friend um, who then told me, I'm like, wait, what? Um, So anyway, him and I have a good relationship now, but that, that did definitely just kind of make me say, I'm going to just do this. I don't care if it kills me. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it not the the salesy way. He's always been fantastic at sales. Style is completely opposite of mine. Um, but I'm like, I'm going to do it, right? Mainly because you told me I couldn't do it. But that that was one. And then people I had worked for over the years, right? I had one boss, he would say it to me and everyone else at the office that if you can't make it with me in this business, you can't make it. Like you're going to fail out. And all this these things, I'm like, if I if I don't make it, then these people can legitimately hold that over my head and use that as proof for everyone else who's trying to make it. So I'm like, all right. So I did have that, call it that motivation there. I also was trying, I did have a sense of urgency because when Tara and I first started dating, we you know, talked about, okay, after so long, if we date for two years, then we can get married. It took about three and a half years because I was trying to get things going. Um, and I I just felt bad. I'm like, I can't just keep trying to, to get things going. Like if this doesn't work out, then I would look for something else um, just out of respect for her because she was extremely patient with me. So I did have some motivation. I was stubborn to a degree, um, maybe to a large degree. And that certainly did motivate me a bit. Um, but as time passed, um, where I struggled was always finding the right people to work with or the right resources, right? Because my big thing is, I don't care how much I was struggling or if I, how much I am struggling today, like if anything ever pops up, the last thing I'm going to do is put someone in a product, a client that harms them, gives them less money than what they could potentially have in order for me to get a higher commission. Like 
forget it. Like I, I quit. Like I, I just won't be able to sleep at night. So I'm like, that's what I won't do. So finding the right people to work with that also have that mindset and don't make you know comments or try to push you toward different products that, hey, this still benefits the client, look at it long term and such, and you, you make a ton more money. I'm like, okay, I was fortunate going back to that background of the knowledge base, seeing how corporations set up policies, you've got an unseen element, right? You've got illustrations and you've got reality. I'm like, thank you, but this is what I know works based off of actual data. So here's what I'm going to do. And it was really difficult to find the right people to work with. One, just from the, that will will work with you when you're producing business at call it minimum commission. It's a snowball effect. It's going to take a long time to build that up over time. And then two, that are also patient with you. And you know this better than probably anyone else. When you get a new broker or when I'm new, when I was new, the amount of questions that get thrown at you that you may have answered, I don't know, 18,000 times over the years and you have to answer them again with patience because if you don't, it can turn a broker off. Then like, I don't want to work with this guy because I feel like I'm annoying him or her. Like you've got that element too. So it's knowing, knowing your stuff, right? Or having the right mindset as far as I'm going to do the right thing for the client knowing your stuff, knowing the business, and then also being able to work with people who are approachable and don't just kind of push you off or try and sway you into doing things the way they want want them done. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of some folks that I'm working, working with now. Um, very nice, very bright, totally independent. Um, there's a lot of like, you don't know what you don't know. And none of it is super complicated, but, you know, you can kind of get lost in like a black hole of minutia and details. And it's, you know, I think it's hard enough to get yourself to a point where you can talk to clients and in a, in a, um, in an intelligent way and in a passionate way and attract them to, to you and your business um, and get something done, but then actually getting it done um, uh, can be a struggle, whether it's the application or the underwriting process or, uh, you know, your own licensing and paperwork. And, you know, I think the easy answer for uh, insurance company folks is, well, that's, you know, that's the stuff that you hire an assistant for. Um, But, you know, for some of these people, that's not, um, that's not an option or that's not viable at this time or where they might want to dig in and, and learn this stuff on their own. So you really have to find the right people to, to affiliate with that, that are going to help you grow your business and be patient with you. You do. They've got to be knowledgeable, knowledgeable and just have the, the right, right head on their shoulders to always take care of the people they work with instead of looking out for themselves first. Um, that's saying someone shouldn't look out for themselves. That's not my... <laughs> my message at all. But the main thing is, do not put yourself first at the expense of others. Um, And finding a team like that, that one has that mindset, and then two, is also knowledgeable, or they've got the ability to become knowledgeable in this business, right? If this is the business you're in. You know, what a lot of people struggle with too, and I struggled with this, is when you come up in this business, or just call it sales in general, I think this is the case, is you're trying to 
become comfortable, you want to remain true to yourself, and then you're given these different one-liners or things to say in a meeting to take people through the process, right? The prospect. Then you're in the meeting. Here's how to close them and ask for the check. And trying to force that on some people is extremely difficult because- Yeah, I always felt very awkward with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that's something too, like we don't do that at all because if it's awkward to you, how awkward do you think the client feels in that situation? Yeah probably even more awkward. And that's the last thing we want. My old, uh, my previous general agent who, you know, very well was very old fashioned guy. And you know, that that's kind of how he operated. He taught me a lot. You, you know, we've talked, you know, um, but we'd have conversations and he would coach me on something or we would kind of informal role play. I'd be having a problem be like, Hey, what do you think about this? And, What he wanted me to say, I could never get out of my, I'm like, that sounds so, we were just so different, but it it, it was helpful for me to hear that and kind of interpret, interpret it and have it come out in a different way. That was, that was my words. Yeah. So I always found it helpful to even, even when, when that kind of coaching or that kind of advice didn't really ring true with me it was helpful to hear and for me to think about and then try to figure out like all right how, I, I agree with you conceptually but like that just doesn't sound like me i always had to find my own voice to deliver the message you know yeah. so I think it's important not to run away from robotic sales tactics mm-hmm. um but stay stay true to yourself and and really what's your you know kind of personal mission statement Take gems and use the things that you do like and don't try to force someone else's style and make it your own, right? Just take the things you like and, and incorporate them. Uh, I, I liked him a lot, right? You're the old uh, general agent you had. Shout uh, out to Walt. So good old Walt. Um, I, I remember he he gave me a couple nuggets. Um, some of them made me chuckle, but I'd mention them, just kind of share them in stories to prospects and clients that I work yeah. with. One was the minimum sale. One was grandparents' delight. You know how you would like position a life insurance sale for grandparents sure. as a gift to their kids. The minimum sale, I liked his kicker at the end. Um, you ever hear that one? The minimum sale. I think a lot of people will like this. Oh um, yeah, go ahead. So the minimum sale. What that would incorporate is putting money, call it two thousand dollars, into a life insurance policy. Right, that's your annual premium. It's a high early cash value product, so you're cash rich from day one. You borrow out $2,000, we'll call it $1,500, the max you can loan out. Then you take that loan, put it into your 401k for a tax deductible account. So now you're still earning a return on the life insurance policy. You put it into your 401k, you're earning a return there because you've paid it into your 401k. That's going to generate a refund of call it 800 bucks, depending on your tax bracket. Now take that $800, throw it into mutual funds down here where you're earning 8%. And then his kicker was, so this $800 you got from Uncle Sam. When was the last time Uncle Sam bought you anything? (laughs) Just kind of look at you. (laughs) That sounds similar to, uh, I actually just brought this up the other day with somebody on the phone. It really kind of rang true. Um, He would always talk about you, you, you pay for the insurance in the first two years. Yeah. So, you know, let's say you're paying a $5,000 premium. 
he would look at the illustration and he only showed this to me like once or twice, but I, I really liked it. Um, you draw a line on the illustration after year two. So it was like you paid 5,000 year one, you paid 5,000 year two. Those $10,000, that's your death benefit cost. You just paid for your death benefit. Now, look at year three. You're going to pay $5,000. Your cash value is yeah. 8500 bucks or whatever it is. You know, From that point forward, it's no longer, you know, those, that was your expense year one and year two. Everything after that, it mentally for me, it's an investment account. Yeah. And, um, you know, really it's just kind of mind tricks to help, but I, I need that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. you know, it helps me realize that depending on how you look at different things is going to affect how you feel about different things. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you mentioned that too, different listeners, some people hear that and say, I don't like that one bit. That's messed up. Right. Other people think, oh, I kind of like that. And then some will think, well, or even I, as I'm saying it, I know yeah. this is kind of, this yeah. is like when I'm on the treadmill and I have 20 minutes to go and I break yeah. it down in my mind into five minute, you know, but it's, it, mm -hmm. it's what gets you through these things. Yeah. And just learn as we hear things and just incorporate the things that you like. Um, some word tracks we use at our office, for example, we're very big on making the prospect feel comfortable throughout the process, but then also trying to gauge if they're ready to go. And maybe they're shy or they don't want to mention, hey, I'm ready to start right now. They don't know how to ask it, whatever. Like I've been in that situation as a client. So a question that I'll ask frequently is from your research so far, did you have a time frame in mind when you wanted to start the policy? Just asking that. And they say, no, nope, want more information? Or yes, want to start as soon as possible right. by the end of you know, this month, whatever. And then I can provide more information that can help them meet that goal, whatever it is. We're um, helping them set the, the timeline. To yeah, that, that's an example. Um, when you have to have a, a difficult conversation or go into a, a difficult subject, I got this one from, from someone we work with that I like a lot. Um, permission to speak freely, like before you're going to go into a certain certain topic or subject or you've got to bring up a point where maybe they were incorrect somewhere um permission to speak freely someone asked me that it was during a call with him and his wife and he he's way way above me in terms of just finance i mean what we do in a month what we do in a year he probably does in two weeks and i'm not exaggerating either yeah um so we're having a call i'm asking them for some advice and he goes permission to speak freely i'm like yeah yeah, man, like <laughs> you completely wipe, wipe the floor with me. You don't have to ask that. But it just, it's kind of caught me off guard. It also shows a lot of respect. So regardless yeah. of what levels, you know, from a financial standpoint, it, it shows a level of humility too, in my opinion. Um, but it's a great question to ask that makes the other person feel comfortable. I liked it when he asked me that. So I try and ask that to people too. Um, and my wife mentioned the other day, she's like, I heard you say something. That was it. I liked it. I'm like, well, I didn't make that up on my own. I got it from someone else. <laughs> yeah. 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 But just little things that we can learn that we hear from others. It's usually in the moment, over a phone call, in a meeting, um, or if you're working with someone throughout training, what are some one-liners, little word tracks that you can hear? Not necessarily use if you don't like them, maybe take pieces of them, but make it your own. And you'll, you'll become comfortable the more you practice it. Do you struggle with external advisors to your organization 
kind of floating in and out of looking for help from you and your group? Is that um, frustrating? So, not really. And the like, reason, I, I, yeah. just to to sometimes that frustrates me when I feel like God, if this person sat in this spot for a month, they'd be fine going forward as opposed to sitting in this spot for a day and then three weeks later coming back for another day. You know what I mean? Yeah, putting the time in up front, taking a step back, and then zooming forward. Which I know is, is, in some situations, it's just not realistic. But you've got to have a lot of people who kind of pop up and then disappear and then pop up and disappear. They need help with various things. I mean, how do they interface with you and your group? Yeah, so if they're subscribed to ILS, for example, because those are usually outside agents and brokers that we will help because they're paying for that service. Um, If they're subscribed, if they're paying the monthly fee, we help them. If they subscribe for a month and then they try and email three months later when they're not paying anymore just to get free information or free material, we just check to see if they're still subscribed and let them know, hey, you're not subscribed anymore. This is a service that we charge and we don't take any case share, any percentage, anything like that because of that. So right. if they're paying, then we help them. They've got us as a resource and the virtual content, but we just see if they're still on the subscription list. Um, and, and that's about it. Some people, uh, I haven't done this yet, but um, we are going to have just more like one-on-one coaching and consulting. So if I'm working with someone there, that's a bit different, um, but they're paying for the service. So if they're paying, Yes, kind of like any other service you would have, you still receive it if you're paying for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we nice. used to, but not not really anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a bigger problem before. Now oh, you've yeah. got like a more clear cut with the subscription service how folks interact with you and your team. Correct. Yeah. I mean, in the early days, people would call up all the time trying to figure out how we design policy and the software, um, and just hey. Can you tell us how to do that? And I'm like, well, at that point we did joint work. Hey, we can joint, we can do some kind of split. You know, we can mine a percentage. To track, though. Yeah, it was just not worth it. It's like, let's simplify it. Let people keep their business. We'll just charge a fee. And the people that want to work with us that have a similar mindset, then we'll work with them. If they don't, that is okay. Like nothing against them at all. Like do whatever you feel is best for you. Like that's my mindset. But this is our model. Uh, and this is what we're going to stick to as we continue to refine that model. Um, what I've learned just in business is be very, very clear about what your model is and stick to your guns. Yes, things are always going to change over time, but stick to it and, and don't don't get too far away from, from whatever your mission is or that model. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody out there, you know, if, if you're looking for more support, I can tell you that. Steve and IBC Global are uh, a great resource and a great outlet for independent advisors who are in this space. Um, but more importantly than that, I would say that, you know, just find the type of support, actively look for and recruit the type of support that is going to work best with you and your goals and your business model. And, uh, you know, it's not one size fits all, you know. Um, if you have any questions about any of this, feel free to reach out uh, to me or Steve at any time. I'm Mike Courtney, Mass Mutual, Eastern Pennsylvania. Steve is Steve Parisi. 
president and CEO of IBC Global. And I hope everybody has a great week. Thank you, Mike. Enjoy. Cheers. All right. Bye.